Um, her friend is staying here and my dog will bark. So that's just going to happen at some point. So if it starts happening mid-sentence, just stop till the barking stops and then roll back to the beginning of that sentence. And I pick think it back we should again. all start b- barking. <laughs> just be we, like, oh, how funny would that? Let's just do that. I'm going to bark wolf. like a golden noodle. I'll let y'all do that. If the you dog bark starts like barking, <laughs> whoever is talking, pause so that the dog can be heard in our mics and then Go all of us just break out barking. Does this sound good? Okay, right. sound good. Hi, I'm Corey. And I am Sean. Welcome to the Shadowscape Podcast, the new music edition. This is our second new music edition. I don't know if that's good. Uh, you think like we need to have more? Is that what you mean I by don't that? know. Because actually, maybe that's great. Because I know we specifically said we don't want to be just another person who interviews a band, who just talks about music right. and new music. Yep. But it is kind of important to us. Right. And it is... Somewhat Basically, to what exactly we what we do yeah. as a business. Uh-huh. But for some reason, we don't want to talk about it. No, we prefer taking people who do music that we like and that we love and instead just not talking about the music and talking about who they are as human beings. Breaking and them down. Yeah, they're philosophical, existential things. But And what's unfortunate is the group that we have in today that we're doing new music are some of the more philosophical existential humans that I know. Or they are the least. And that's why we have to talk about their new music. No, no. That is my guess. Not these guys. They're so philosophical. I guess we will have to find out. Such existential. But we're going to try to keep it focused on music. And if it trails off onto something a bit more ethereal, then that's okay. It will. All right. Well, everyone in the world, welcome to the studio and to Shadowscape Studios of Tree. Of Tree. Clap track. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, of Tree, what I want to ask really quick, and I want to get it out of the way, is there any significance to of Tree, the name, at all? Let's just get it out of the way. There is. Okay, cool. I don't want to talk about what it is. I really don't. Okay. (laughs) That shook Ben. I saw it on his face. He was like, wait. Well. All right. Well, for the majority of the people in Kansas City, you guys are definitely well known, but you guys definitely have a lot of room to grow. And I mean that in all the best ways, because in the musical landscape of the world, there's still people who don't know who Coldplay is or who the Beatles right. are. So weird. for all those people who don't know who you are, who are you? Like, what does of tree mean? Let, let's, let's start there and then tell me who you are as a person, each band member. Well, introduce yourself. I'm Ben. Okay. Um, I've been the name of the band. I don't know if it really represents the band currently. It doesn't really, it doesn't represent the band currently actually, but it was a starting point. Okay. For me personally, um, when I first started writing music, uh, I was in a, a life situation that was, it was tough. I was in a, I'm just going to dive right into it. Yeah. <laughs> I was, grew up in a religious cult. I was married to my first wife. 
and I was really unhappy. I realized what I was in. And which is a great I, realization as dark as it is. Right. Yeah. At was, least that you realized it. It was liberating. And that has to do with the tree as well. But um, I actually kind of want to know. I kind of want to know. That's what we're talking about. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. You're going to explain Sean has it. forgotten. Well, I thought, because Corey said he didn't want to know. I thought you weren't going to tell us. Oh, I'm totally kidding. Okay. Oh, Proceed. I, I've started down the path. I, I have a now. similar personal intertwinement with that same religious cult. Um, and so I want to know the significance of the, of the of tree. Yeah. I, I was, uh, early, well, in my, in my twenties and just had a baby and realized it was basically just, it was all bullshit. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you stop the religion, you lose your entire family, you lose everything. Yeah. But I knew I couldn't do it anymore. And I, I was, I owned this house, my very first house I owned. Um, and there was this beautiful tree in the front yard. It was huge. It was like the biggest tree in the neighborhood, but it had been struck by lightning in the eighties and had slowly started breaking apart in the middle. You couldn't see it at first, mm -hmm. but then you could, you started to see it and it started to tear in two. And that's how I felt. Mm. And that's, I felt I just related to it wow. and eventually had to cut it down. And, uh, it was a much more emotional experience than cutting a tree down should be. Yeah. Cause I related to it so much. And that's, um, that's where the name come from, comes from. Holy cow. That's amazing. I never, I've spent so much time with you guys in the studio <laughs> and talking about your music and telling people your name. No idea. Well, that's like the, the question you don't ask. It's my yeah. least favorite question in probably the entire music it's, industry. It's so cliche. But in a situation like that, Man. What, a what a beautiful story. Yeah. And you say it doesn't relate, but the fun thing about trees, and, and you see this with like forest fires, and you see this with a lot of plant life, all the destruction in the world can happen, give it time. And trees grow back. I mean, maybe not that particular one, but other trees in the area and other plants in the area. Like, it's such a regener regenerative, like, thing, like, the, the, the plant world. And so, in some ways, to know, at least from the inside, like, your relationships and your band now and what it looks like and, and how it's actually kind regrown. of regrown or back, is growing yeah. into something really special, like... yeah. I, I still find it fitting in, in that way. It's um, beautiful. Yeah. Okay, well, we're done. That's all I need. <laughs> cool. That is deep enough. If we get any deeper, I will cry. I don't want to cry. Well, anyway, well, awesome. That's really cool. And Ben, what do you do in the band? I write songs, play guitar, sing, push some MIDI buttons sometimes. And generally just have a super sexy voice. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to dig a hole and put you in um, it. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just jealous. I'm jealous, man. Cool. Well, who are the rest of you then? I'm Laurel. I am the flower of the band. Mm. I grew on the tree. <laughs> yeah, you're the blossom. I'm the blossom of the band. Um, hey, what's up? Play violin. Sing some songs. Right, so. Tell everyone what to do, pretty much. Is that your favorite role? 
No. No. <laughs> I hate it. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> I don't like that. Um, yeah. I am, I, I would say I'm, became a co-writer with Ben. He used to be the main dude because he felt the tree thing. And then I came along and became a branch, a branch. Yeah. <laughs> Only tree puns the rest of the time. Puns, 100%. Yeah. We are un- intending our puns tonight. Yeah. All of them. Just so you know. But who's this other branch over here? There's a new face He's in our town. Sprout. Yeah, this new branch. Sprout, yeah, what do you say I, for yourself? I don't yourself? know if I have speaking privileges yet. You do. <laughs> You're granted. Okay. At I'm least a, tell us your I'm name. I'm a mercenary. This is Scott. It's, you can say that. I'm, I'm new to Kansas City, and so like two of our best friends happen to live here, and they're, it's these people. And so I came out of musical retirement nice. to play bass. Awesome. Which has been fun. I've never played bass in a band before. That's great. You're previously a drummer? Is that what I hear? Yeah. I think being a drummer previous to bass would make you a much better bass player. It than helps. Say, being a guitar player. Because I'm the only player. guy in the band that cares about the drummer. Right. Well, <laughs> it's with me and John holding it down, holding each other's hands. Right. All these two rock stars on their own <laughs> ego crazy thing but but it also that's that's really what they're like it makes you so (laughs) conscious of groove and pocket and that's that's like the only thing that like makes a bass player stand out you know yeah and so that's great no it's been really fun it's like you know playing playing guitar the way that i would play drums it's uh you know i'd like to sit last night we practiced and i was like i'd like to see John's foot move up and down. Uh-huh. Yeah, his kick know, drum like, foot. You know, when you play it's like playing it. Guitar Hero live. Yeah. You know? It's w- much less insipid than that. Yeah. Because Guitar Hero, that clackety of that up and down little yeah. thing on there makes me, <laughs> makes me want to destroy everything I, that I can grab. Yeah. But it's pretty infuriating. I can't play Guitar Hero to save anyone's life. It's... Uh, Counterintuitive to anyone who's ever played a real instrument. Yeah, I know. Is that why I was so bad at guitar here? Yeah. Okay, you thank you. I'm the only one. Yeah. I, I, I just felt, I, I just felt so bad because I remember I started, I started playing like seriously guitar like towards the end of high school. And and around that time, I feel like Guitar Hero was starting to like yeah. become like the mm. coolest thing on the planet. And all my friends would be like, oh man, you're a guitar player. You're probably great. Here's a Guitar Hero thing. They would always say that. <laughs> you're going to be awesome at this. I mean, I wouldn't hit and a freaking note. Yeah. Because yeah. the timing's all off. Oh, yeah. Yes. I just, I, it's I, not right. Yeah. I, I just could never do it. And it was so disappointing. I felt like, well, maybe I legitimately, there was points in Guitar Hero with all my friends that I was like, maybe I shouldn't play music. Maybe I'm not cut out for this <laughs> simply because Guitar Hero would bury my emotions down so heavy. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's healthy. No. I don't think Guitar Hero should have that kind of uh, real estate in my life. No. They no. did make a game where you could play your real guitar. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. For PlayStation. In Guitar Hero? Yeah, I bought it. It was like a million dollars. And I played it and it was terrible. Like all you could do was play Carry On My Wayward Son better. Yeah. That was all the levels that there were. <laughs> it, was, it was one song? And it was like six <laughs> songs, but none of them you wanted to play. 
I think they might have had like a Nirvana song on there. I was like, first try, nailed that. Not even looking at the screen. <laughs> but, or smoke on the water. Yeah, you, you actually <laughs> plugged in a, a, a quarter-inch cable into your guitar and had a little PlayStation thing on it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But you, had, you, you had to actually play the, the right chords and things. That was kind of cool. Guitar That's pretty Hero cool. Is, I never want to play any of those games. It doesn't have anything to do with music. No. No. They're just boring. I was really off on that. Does it still exist? Oh, yeah. Probably. I think so. You can even play drums on it. Interesting. You can even play drums on it. It was 10 years ago. Oh, we forgot to mention Ben has been cryogenically frozen for the last 10 oh, years. Yeah. yeah. The guy came out of a cult. Cut him a break. Yeah. Right. <laughs> He's been out of it for a while now. <laughs> Just use that as your default excuse Takes always. A long time, guys. <laughs> always. You're like unfrozen caveman lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Which is now the new name, b- name of your band. <laughs> frozen caveman lawyer. Yeah, nailed it. Yeah. I think that really that really identifies with you guys now. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you guys have spent the last year crafting this new record, right? You guys approached us. I don't even remember when we started recording, but you how long have you had those songs before we started tracking? I think We've, we started tracking what last I want to say last September, like almost a year ago. Yeah, we've been tracking for a year. The song process has taken longer than that. We ended up finishing all of the songs in Boulder, Colorado. We were like, we just need to finish these because we, we were working on them for so long. And we were both deathly ill. Well, yeah. And then we got super sick, um, but we still finished the songs. And that was two years ago? Yeah. Or and then we, we also got ago. super stoned too. And so we were sick and stoned. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. It's fine in Colorado. No, I get, it, yeah, it was legal. Um, but I thought you were going to finish. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> we, one of the songs took seven years what which song the first song what you got really was started seven years ago not all of them took that long but yeah um some of them were slow people four years so it was kind of a project of needed to happen to get them out yeah to close move past it yeah Yeah. to move past all that stuff i get that so do you think that will be the case when you move forward and make more music i hope not Oh. Do you think that any of this that you've dealt with in this record will come up again? Or no. are you saying, you know what, this is a, a chapter I'm closing? I already have the next record done. Really? Yes. Written. It's not done. <laughs> this is the great thing about being married to someone in your band. <laughs> the honesty. The sheer honesty. But that's not true. We she has a skeleton. Seeds. You have skeleton bones, Yes, I right? have a skeleton. Yeah. There might need to be like a spleen and a heart. Some flesh to put on it, but that's what the rest of us are for. Yeah. We have some seeds. I would hate to just proclaim that none of that stuff's going to come up again. Right. I think it probably will, but it'll be different. I mean, it'll be different. Yeah. I I don't think it'll take that long. Um, We we definitely got past some hurdles that I don't think we'll have to jump again, Mm -hmm. but it'll, it'll just be a new process and we'll see how it goes. We're ready to start another album. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that's the weirdest thing about recording albums. It's like the day, the last day of tracking. You're like, well, okay, let's make another one. Like, let's 
Like you're already so totally. over it. Like, and you haven't, the world has not even heard it yet. The work's just begun. And yeah. I'm like, I really want to write some new songs. And you, and there's seeds there. And we're just like, let's start working on this. Well, but- for me, a song is like a memory time capsule, you know? And so you're playing all these songs and then you remember you're, you're continuously reliving your life when, when you wrote that song. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not my life anymore. And uh, I have new songs. But then in a way, um, I try to make the songs that we are performing now that we're on our last record relevant. It's like like a poem or something. You know, it. um, the meaning changes in order to keep it fresh. Yeah. I, I, my experience is, yeah, the the meaning definitely changes. The the, I agree. I think it is a memory, but those memories change, and you see it differently. And so, a sad song can be happy, or vice versa, or can be more complicated, or be resolved. And so, I mean, that's one thing that makes live music great is because it it, it does tap into something that's not sterile, and so the progression of, of playing the songs live, the songs can change and the emotion behind it and the experience changes with it. Right. I think in the same way that we can listen to a song that's telling a story that we've never experienced. Like I think about just earlier tonight, I was playing that show and I covered the song Jolene by Ray LaMontagne. And the first line is cocaine flame in my bloodstream. Sold my coat when I hit Spokane. Bought myself a hard pack of cigarettes in the early morning rain. And it's like sounds this, just like Sean Lee's I was, life. Well, I was gonna say yeah. like I've never done cocaine, but but I'm singing this song, and I'm feeling these. I'm feeling this desperation that that was written in the song. And I've watched interviews with Ray Lamontagne, and he's like, nope, every one of my songs is like completely fictional, um, as well. And so this thing is completely pulled out of the ether, and and creates this ripple effect that affects multiple 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 people and it doesn't it doesn't even have to necessarily exist so even if you wrote a song about something real that did exist and you've moved on and you've processed that you've packaged it and put it away and you're good but you play it again it can still create feelings even though you're past those feelings and then it can create those same feelings in others even though those people didn't experience what you experienced and you're not really feeling the things that you felt when you wrote it yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Um, I love that song, by the way. Yeah. One of my top five <laughs> songs of all time. Mm, right? And <sighs> then when I first, when I was writing this album, I had, I was, I heard on NPR, you only listen, there are two types of people. You are either a music lyric person, like you listen to music for the lyrics, mm-hmm. or you are a melody person where you just listen to the music. And after I heard that, I was like, I never listen to the lyrics at all. Hmm. And I'm only a melody Blasphemy. person. Only what? <laughs> oh, <laughs> and yeah. I never do. And I don't know what any songs that I listen to are about. I don't care about the lyrics. I'm just oh, listening to like the instruments and things like that. I'm so triggered right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's why I can't listen to most like music. Now, really? like popular music nowadays, because it's completely mindless and I can't get with it. Well, mindless yeah. to you. Yeah. Let's I, not discriminate. But then after okay. after I realized that about myself, I started listening 
to lyrics. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, and, and then all these other songs started coming into my life and um, it completely changed the way that I was writing music when I started realizing that I was a, just a melody only person. Yeah. And that happened halfway through this album. And I think at least for the songs that I'm responsible for writing the lyrics for, you can definitely tell when that switch was like, and then all of us, all of a sudden the songs really became like, Oh my God, the song can be much more than just these notes. This is actually me. Um, it was a huge epiphany. I know that probably doesn't sound like a, Huge epiphany, but no, it, it was it was no, for we, me. And then I we start- welcome you to our side. Yeah, it yeah. became way more vulnerable and way more emotional, and like. And now you know why these three men on these couches cry so much. <laughs> We're pretty sad. Wait, which is. three men? There are four men here. <laughs> well, he's not on the I'm couch. Not on he's, the couch. Not on, <laughs> he's not a man on the couch. For Scott, I will say though, I I really I I like the epiphany. I think it will do good. But I will say, you being that way really helped. Because I'm all about lyrics. Yeah. And you and, need some. And I, I don't think I make the structure interesting enough naturally because actually the, the chord progressions and everything are usually triggered by a word, which is strange because I'm not a writer by nature, but for some reason, writing songs, the words are like um, points in the song that, mm-hmm. that help me. Uh, so having that melodic focus was um, like that the angle coming back at me was really helpful i've never heard that before so don't lose i will treasure that <laughs> well i think there's a there's there's it's hugely valuable to have either to have both in yourself or be able to switch it on and off or that like you guys had like one person who was one side of that and one person who was one side the other side of that. Uh, some of the greatest songwriters I've ever known or heard about or read about or listened to, it's it's almost always melody first, melody first, melody first, melody first. Nothing nothing else ever matters I win. <laughs> except for that melody because that is truly what's going to kind of coerce you into caring about the rest of it. Unless you are those people who are like, oh, this this really means something to me, which which can happen. But I think the majority of of humans are always go, will be able to be drawn by that melody first kind of mindset, which is why you, you, pop music works. Is wh- right. which is why so it's why it's why I think anybody can potentially like any song in any genre, no matter what, because if that melody hits you, mm-hmm. like, like there's, there's plenty of artists that I, I just, I could give a rip about like Nicki Minaj, like in her music, like I don't care about her music as a person, like I'm not into it, but I can tell you that there's three or four songs that are on the radio and that hook of that melody good. is so good, <laughs> and so I could good. sing every single word to it, and I don't want to. Do you think she wrote that? Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe she did. It, it doesn't matter to me, but like, like I'm not like a fan of hers as far as like it doesn't speak to me boldly. Like Anaconda's not like really getting like, like it's not really moving my soul. But like, I can sing it for you because it's the melody works and it works really well. So it's I think where you're starting at least I think for you to to actually have started in that melody first scenario, I think is massively valuable. We yeah, tip our pop music hats to you. I don't plan to lose that yeah. ever. But 
I don't think I can. It's just if you're a violinist, you're not singing. Right. You don't do work. Well, at least you're not looking cool when you do it because <laughs> your head's sideways. Unless you, got a, unless you got a Garth Brooks mic on. Yeah. I don't. But that you microphone would actually should, still. Oh, yeah, I should do headsets. You so should totally yeah. do headsets. Then we can dance awkwardly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. Well, I asked this pertaining to your new record, um, which is called. How does it feel? All right. But How we can't no put a question mark. mark at the end of it. Because it ruins it. It ruins it. This is our, our debate of the week. <laughs> how does it feel? Or right. how does it feel? So cheesy. Yeah, much better. Yeah. So There's still a question mark whether it's invisible or not. Like we've actually I mean, emailed about this. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to post those emails on our website. Are we going to be married or divorced over a question mark? <laughs> how does it feel? Double how does it feel? Mark. How does it feel? Uh, so well, I asked this question based off of your new record, How Does It Feel? And just your songwriting in general, when you're writing a lyric and putting a song into the world, do you want people to hear it and feel it the way that you wrote it? I don't. I want everyone to have their own experience. I, I don't think anyone could feel the experience I was feeling when writing a song because they haven't lived the life through the lens I'm viewing it at. Um, I hope it connects with something greater than I am so someone else can connect with it uh, but I I want them to connect with it in their own way yeah I think we're just you know shamans always used to be musicians and in a lot of ways they still are and it, you know we're just creating can you explain a what a shaman is no <laughs> <laughs> You know, like a, I know the a word. medicine man. Yeah. I know the word, but I yeah. don't know like the full context around. Kind of a mystic medicine man. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody that forces you to do ayahuasca. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. <laughs> Someone forces you to do ayahuasca. But music was always, is always, okay, great. <laughs> was she out. saying that a shaman was, it used to be the doctor and clergyman of a village. Community. Yeah. Um, they helped everyone heal physically and spiritually. So she's saying she's spiritual and a doctor. That is not what I'm saying. <laughs> question mark. Question mark. <laughs> no, no question mark. You are. Yeah. But in all seriousness, like, yeah, you just, when you, a lot of times, gosh, this, this is going to sound uh, so braggadocious. But Let a lot rip. of times when I perform, um, I've had people come up to me that I don't even know, and then they're crying. And yeah. they're, there's something about, yeah, and if that's a thing. If you're a musician, that mm -hmm. happens a lot. Mm -hmm. And someone comes up, up and they're like, oh, thank you so much. And then they tell you about this like deep experience that they had and something very personal to them that, you know, coming from a stranger could be almost shocking, but, um, music pulls that out of people. Mm -hmm. And so when you're playing music, you don't know that you're going into someone so deeply. And mm -hmm. a lot of times you have to fight the ego when you're on stage and get to a point where you're like, no, no, this is not about me. This is about um, something else and having a connection with people. 
So yeah, I don't really care if people understand my experience when I play um, What You Got or How Does It Feel or any of those songs. It's just, I hope people have an experience when they listen to the music. That's my hope. I don't think it's braggadocious at all. Depending on how you look at it, like I, I understand how some of us, like, we get on stage, we sing our songs, and we have those people come up to us and say, like, you changed my life. Yeah. And I, I get how, how easy it is to go, man, damn, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> the best. Because, yeah. like, I did that for you. When in reality, like, what are we doing as writers? We're sitting and waiting for an idea to pop into our head. We're sitting and waiting to be able to like connect the dots of what we're trying to say. And then eventually, sometimes they do. But I know there's some good songwriters out there. I know some people can take those ideas that we're thinking about and trying to form and we can articulate them well. Mm -hmm. But I think there's just something so much larger that like... I think us as songwriters need to be grateful that in that moment of patience and sitting and trying to find those words that they actually ever even popped into our head. Because the reality is, is like, we're not actually making our brains work. We're not actually making our lungs work. Like we're not actually doing all of these things that are actually like potentially giving us the songs. Like it's coming from the ethers. It's coming from something else. It's not like, I just, I don't want to give songwriters so much credit that like the thing that I wrote on a piece of paper and sang to you is actually the thing that connected us in, in its entirety. Yeah. Like, I just think it's something so much larger because how, how could, how could it happen that, that like you or I could play a random bar at, at 1030 on a Tuesday and sing a song about our, our point of life, not reference any part of the story or where that came from. And then have somebody come up to you and say, this song saved my life. Like I, yeah, it's like, a, spir- it's a <laughs> it's very big. spiritual thing. It's so big. And when you realize how big it is, um, there's a respect and an awe and an appreciation for like, what is going on? Yeah. And, and then you start to respect your own um, craft more. Yeah. I feel like you go in and yeah, I don't, I don't even know how to talk about it because it's almost uncomfortable right. um, to realize because for the longest time, cause I, you know, I did the music school thing and I've always played violin and everyone's like, you should do this. And I don't know what they were thinking when they were telling me like, what, what job did you, did you think I could have the world puts out like five violin soloists a year? (laughs) And I, I didn't go to Juilliard or, um, Curtis or any of those crazy schools. Um, but yeah, the people were, were always directing me into this, this path and it became about me, you know, like how good I was. I don't know. Well, I think when it's it's really working to your your point, Corey, is um, it's not, and your and your point too, Laurel, is it's not about you. If you do have a performance or you connect with someone, it's it has nothing to really do with your own ego. It's tapping into something else, and so I don't think it's braggadocious either. If when that happens, because it's it's really about something else. And if you, if you are just super connected with your, you're just all about yourself. I don't think it works. I mean, it doesn't work for me. The only time it works is when I'm outside of that. Right. 
Which is a really hard place to be. It can be, yeah. Or to get to. Yeah. I mean, I struggle with that every time I perform, that like flipping between like, oh, people are looking at me to like being in an altered state of consciousness where I'm like really just giving or a channel for something. Um, And it, it flips back and forth. And when I performed a lot in my 20s, it was just all one way. And so it's weird that in my 30s, I'm like feeling this this flip, like, oh, wait, I'm this channel or something else. Um, I wish that it could just not be about me at all. <laughs> Maybe I'll get to that point. I think music is so interesting because I think it's no matter how unbelievably selfish and braggadocious and like self-absorbed that, that you are, even if you put that completely into your music and you showcase it, and that is what is championed through the entirety of everything you do. Like if you can put picture that song, like the most selfish song ever, and you picture that person in front of 10,000 people and they're into it and maybe they're jumping around and they're singing along. The, the thing that happens is that that song's actually theirs now though. It's not yours. Like you might be like getting them ramped, like, but but music, it like it hits this purifier mm. because even like uh, like an Eminem song that's like all about like rap god even like I granted I don't know the, like the, everything about that song but you can have like these massive songs that are just like I'm the best I'm so cool look how great I am you you as a fan can be sitting in like the crowd and sing that as yourself. And now no longer like if Bruno Mars is singing about how great he is, but you're singing it actually to him, you flip the script and now that song is yours. He no longer, he might, is not. you might not even notice him because you're so into that song and the lyric and the vibe and the baseline and all the things that music is. And then it becomes yours and not theirs. And like, there's this weird thing that like, it's just like, no matter how far you push ego, like maybe as the artist, you can still feel like I'm the greatest, I'm the best, I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you is like, when it, when it leaves, your body and enters like everyone's ears it's it's given to them and it's given to them to do with what they want and feel how they want and like and, and that's what I think is so is it's such a like a powerful interesting thing about music is like I, I, I know some of the most like selfish writers that I know like if you hear them talk about the, their process of writing and their writing like their whole record, it's for them. It's for them to be able to process where they're at in life and document it and, and, and move on from it. It's how they process. It's their therapy. And somehow every single person who hears it, it helps them understand themselves. I, you know, I don't even think that's like therapy and selfish. I think that's, but, but that's, honest, what I, that's, yes, but that's what I'm kind of saying though. Like even like there are people who are like, I, I'm writing selfishly. Like I, I've done it. I know Sean has done it. Like most of my songs I, are very self. Selfish. I'm trying to figure <laughs> out what the heck's going on in my life and in my yeah. head. But somehow me doing that, and giving it to you to put in your ears. It becomes suddenly, a selfless act. Suddenly it's the yeah. best thing for you because yeah. it helps you too. It's this weird thing. I just we're like, all one. We're, yeah, it's all these songs, like regardless of how much we try to 
claim them. They're just everyone's. And, 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 it's, and no matter how much we try to be egotistical and, and to be great and to be the, the crafters of something so extraordinary, you have no choice but to give it to someone else and let them have it. You're, you, 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 Otherwise it, you keep it a secret. You share the moment yeah. you share, like it's a full on share. Yeah. And, and, and it's a participant or participant. Oh, I can't say that word. A participatory, participatory share. <laughs> like there's always one I, word every podcast I can't say, <laughs> but I, I think it's, it's, it's the beauty. I'm so grateful that music is like that because it never like, it, it purifies it so much that no matter what, like we can all have it. And I think that's just such a, because well, at the end of the day, like music, it doesn't exist as a thing. There's not some nucleus or some like bank that we go to or some physical location. It's, it's music songs. They're more ethereal than almost anything that we have, but they're one of the most tangible things that moves the course of history. And so it's just such a, such a broad and credible thing that like, uh, you know, when I ask you guys, like, you know, do, do you care about what, you know, cause there are artists that like, I want you to hear what I'm saying. I'm trying to say something specific about a specific point in time. And I want us to rally around that and let's not disrupt what this is, what this is for. Um, but I do think where you guys come from and just watching you guys craft these songs and kind of sitting alongside you during this process, like I'm so, I'm so moved by the other way of writing that is like, I'm going to say what I need to say to feel whole with, with this record and to feel completed, but I'm not going to say so much that everyone else can't find themselves in this too. Yeah, and I think the key to what you're saying is honesty. No matter what you're saying, if it's honest, that's what resonates. It doesn't matter what the topic or the word is necessarily. I mean, if it's conveyed in, in a in a crass in, in with some craftsmanship, yes, it has to be. However, I think the honesty and the realness is what really causes the resonation, like between you and someone else. It it, it is that, and it doesn't really matter what it is. It's it's it, but it has to be like real. So what do we say about fictional songs? Are they honest? Can they be honest? I think they can be really honest because what you're doing is you, I feel like a fictional song is tapping into an emotion that you have or your life experience. And you're just presenting it in an allegorical way that doesn't, even though this it's presented in this format or a representational format, doesn't mean it's not real something you're feeling that you're just telling in a different way than like, I am, I feel confused and sad. Well, how are you saying that? You can say it in a very complex way. Doesn't mean it's not real. It just means that's the way you want to just tell it. Doesn't mean you've been in a ship in a hurricane. It just means that that's a great metaphor for feeling lost and confused. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any fictional songs on this record? No. None. That's no. okay. There's one on her first EP, EP that's her cannibalism song. And <laughs> everyone's got to have fun. I just got to clarify, so you haven't eaten human flesh? I don't know if he has, but I haven't. Because <laughs> that can was, we all be certain we haven't? That's true. How can, my own. how can we be certain? 
mouth. Haven't we all? You got to talk into like the mic, when bro. When you're a kid and you eat, you know, scabs and boogers and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah. eating your that's own true. flesh. Technically, that's true. I've eaten flesh. several lipsticks, which have yeah, been and on I was my a lips. Kid, so I'm also like Not human. a kid eater. This took a oh, gross, yeah. this took a <laughs> gross turn. worse. <laughs> Quickly. No, yeah. I had. I love uh, it. She's referring to the song. It's well, it's called Donner Party. Not so on this album. Guess what it's about. Eating but people. To me, it was very much about the human condition. And I wrote it during a time of being shunned by my family. And, and I've been researching about the Donner Party and how most of that party, of that wagon train or whatever you call it, didn't eat the dead like they didn't eat human flesh it was only a few but they all had the same situation but they made a choice in their own desperation well yeah they like their own desperation they said well i'm gonna do this fuck it but actually more people were like no this is against my morals i'm not going to do this Mm -hmm. and they survived just the same Mm. so to me it was it was a matter of you're going to die, possibly, but how are you going to live your life? Right. And that was really impactful, you know, coming, especially coming from a religious viewpoint of why would you do that to someone that you love because you want to survive? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, fuck that person. You know what <laughs> I mean? Because I need, I need to do this, mm-hmm. even though it might be against my moral code. So it's, it's a huge representation of moral conflict and on how you're going to live your life. Right. And I, and I think that kind of illustrates the, the, the answer to that question. Do you think you wrote that song because during the time you couldn't like, that was the only way you could describe how you felt? Yeah, it was definitely part of it. It was one of the ways. Yeah. Cause at, I just remember at that time you weren't like, to the point where you could speak openly about like what was going on. So fiction became your truth, like writing yeah. a fictional song. Similar to like what so. we were talking yeah. about. Yeah. 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 I want to hear that. I haven't heard that song. We'll have a listening party of their old music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about your new record a little bit. Let's talk about the title track. How does it feel? Where'd that song come from? This song is about Ben's ex-girlfriend from junior high. <laughs> That's He's awesome. He's so right That's into awesome. it. He can finally talk about it <laughs> after all these years. <laughs> it's, it's about... And then the second half is the part that I wrote with words. And... Uh, Congratulations. Yeah, I know. I use some words. I use my words finally. And that is about. um, As far as words go. (laughs) Some of the most wordy we've ever heard. Yeah. That's about my mother. So, so that is complex. In that song, be, I don't know if we're begins, both like coming together on the idea of the song, but. It's, (laughs) well, it is, I mean, it is about relationships. Honestly, it's not just about my, um, Junior high girlfriend. Junior high girlfriend. It's about all of my past relationships. Great. Honestly. All of your girlfriends. Uh, <laughs> In one song. It is. But, you know, it, but it's Consolidation about. Consolidation of love. <laughs> so efficient, though. Get it over with in one song. Well, the because it's like this weird pause about, hey, you. And, uh, was, you know, I was in junior high. I was 
I really, really like this girl. But being we all do in junior high. But I couldn't. This is amazing. I had to keep it a secret. (laughs) I had to keep it a secret because I was in religion. You couldn't. Do you just want to say what the religion is? Because Mm, I don't know if I want to. You can. This is a free safe zone. Jehovah's Witness. I was. I was was raised Jehovah's Witness. But you couldn't date unless you were to marry at all. And sometimes it let us slide, but only if it was another Jehovah's Witness. So I really, really felt this connection um, with this girl. But she wasn't a Joe's witness and you weren't supposed to date. So I had to keep it a secret and I was hiding it and I was starting to get found out about it. And so there was tension. And then during class, I was trying to get her attention. I was like, Hey, you, and, and, uh, she was, she got pissed. She was like, my name's not, Hey, or you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Go uh, girl. And I was like, Oh, sorry. Like, I didn't mean it like that. I was just, and it, so and then funny. went on with the conversation. What is your name? But, uh, it was, uh, but that, I mean, that the inspiration for the, uh, for the verse was that, but it's really about, it's, it's about more than that. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> how how do we make the transition though to what your your mother? Yeah. Well, I didn't know what he was writing about <laughs> because I don't That's listen awesome. to words. And yeah. so I just I was like, okay, what should this be? Um I honestly thought you were writing about the beginning of our relationship. Oh, until now? <laughs> yes. I didn't even know. It's so interesting to well, talk about these songs because it fits perfectly, and yeah. so it just like melded into that relationship theme of how people interact with each other. What's interesting is I would have gathered none of this, like from you know obviously we've heard you know the record. Yeah, I would have gathered none of this. You know, we're, we've been talking for the past month or so about the music video for this song and and what it would mean and. And in no, it never came in out. No, <laughs> in no place is this where I would have placed it. And I'm so okay with that. It's yeah. weird. I'm totally <laughs> fine with that. But I think that that proves that you've done a really good job of writing a song that's full of, it's full of meaning that's so ambiguous and unspecific that anybody can find themselves in it. And that that's hard to do, you know. Um, there's so much imagery, and I feel like it does lead you down a road of emotion, but the fact that your part of it is about your junior high ex-girlfriend or whatever, and your part of it is about your mother. And then when we listen to it, we hear a completely unified thought about a relationship struggle. I I just, I think that's phenomenal. I think that's amazing. Yeah. There's well, some ex-wife parts in there too. Ex-wife. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's cannibalism. There's bits of my ex-wife in there. <laughs> no. Oh, no. It's all full circle. It's Donner just, party. Yeah, I just... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's not about... Sorry. This is how I am. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it's not about my mother. Maybe it is about the, us. But just when I sing those words... What, it, what are the lyrics we're referring to? It's wa- wash away the sins from all... Of your, your past lovers. Lo- past lovers. Yeah. And then the next phrase is, wash away the sins of your mother. Mm. Like just a, it's kind of like this uh, cleansing. I feel like it was all catharsis. about me. I... You thought it was about you? Yes. 
See, okay. self-assured. Yeah, it's all bad. This is like this is like a therapy Dr. Phil session. We don't really talk about what the songs are about. We just you play can't. them and and then usually I'm like, what's this about? And Ben's like, oh, you know. It's about this turtle and that I'm died like, I in sixth don't grade. Know. Yeah, I oh, don't know. It's uncomfortable. He won't tell me what the songs are practice. about. What? It's uncomfortable being at band practice? Yeah, so I'm like, you guys Speak are into like the mic, man. Working good. through some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> when I when told you it was going to be like that. Yeah. No, it's, it's very, I feel in, like I'm intruding. Yeah, it. Poor John and John and Scott are like. <laughs> They're troopers. They they They're better uh, people than me. They do um, endure us. It is very hard to be in a band with someone that you're in a relationship with because there's this new level of like elevated tension that I don't think most couples that aren't in a band together right. don't create together have to experience. Um, but if you are in that kind of relationship, you have to go through that. And it sucks because a lot of times we want to kill each other. Mm-hmm. And then we, and the only reason we want to kill each other is because we're having band practice. Right. And if we just like, we're watching a show or um, out to dinner, or just having a conversation, Grocery it would shopping. be fine. But yeah. it's the fact that we added this music to our relationship mm-hmm. makes it really Hard. I See, just think it pulls the bandage off the raw nerve and then you touch it. It's not that it wasn't there. It's just. Yeah. You just And it forces you to like poke around in there. But isn't it yeah. also like this, isn't it also this form of like deep intimacy that most couples don't get to experience? It is. I feel like playing music with someone is. That you're in a relationship. A special with. relationship. Yeah. Then if you're in a relationship with that relationship. Yeah. It does it's add a, a lot of depth. I've had multiple amazing. bandmates tell me that they're basically my my like my wife, right. and I'm like, no, you're not. Do you <laughs> well, want to be the wife? No, no, not necessarily. It's not a placement situation. It's just that, like, it's absolutely Intimacy true. Thing. Like, you're pretty dang close. Yeah. Well, like I know. So my fiance plays drums, and um, we don't play together regularly. We're not in a situation where we play together, but. Um, but we have played together in the past. And I remember being really nervous the first time we played together, like more nervous than the first time like we kissed. Um, because because, because music is this thing that's like been so important and special and paramount to me my entire life. And it's like, what if we don't get along? What if we don't click in the music realm? And music is so important to me. And music is so important to her. And what if this doesn't work? And then we played together and it was great. And it was amazing. And I remember being like a hundred times more attracted to her and more in tune with her after hanging out and jamming. That's awesome. Then now we've never written together. We have, you know, like worked on cover songs together and I've like helped her work out parts and decide what parts are going to be. So we've like somewhat created, but we've never like written a song together. Um, but even just like jamming together, it was like this crazy. And I've never been in a relationship with a girl who was like musical on that level before. So it was something I hadn't experienced. So that you didn't feel that tension. You felt that connection. For me, it was like a hundred percent like. That's how it starts. I have, whoa, Don't stop. I have never since. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's how it started. Is that yeah. how you guys. But the thing is. Yeah, if- he thought I was like some sort of like goddess from heaven. Mm-hmm. Now that has changed. There's a super he attraction. Actually, that he happens. actually tells me that that's still how he sees yeah, you. Yeah, he texts me no, once I, a week and he's oh like, "Oh my Laura's god, a I need to get these texts." I no, I. Do. 
No, I think you're awesome. I really, I, I like your style and aesthetic and I really respect it. And I, what I was going to say is great that you guys could play because I would think it would be difficult to be an artist or musician. And then if you're romantically involved with someone that you don't like their style and you don't respect <gasps> it, oh, yeah, that would so be like would be the worst. A, a deal breaker. Oh, like, and I like, I've talked to Sophie about that before. I was like, what if you didn't like my songs? And she was like, I was so relieved. The first time I heard you sing and play because she was like, I felt the same way. What if I don't like your music? What if I don't like the way? What if you're terrible? And I can't tell you that. Truth is, is I have never, I've never known a couple who had a musician and a wife or like a a woman who had a husband. I've, I know it exists. I'm sure it exists, but I've never met a decent, talented musician whose spouse didn't think that they were great. Not right. one. Was or didn't supportive. like it. Right. I, and I, I don't, I know it, I'm sure it exists because at least it exists on TV. I don't think it'd last <laughs> a couple. I, but, but I, but very, very. <laughs> I might be a part of. You might be a part of one. Of these groups. <laughs> but oh, I, whatever. I, but I sincerely, <laughs> the thing is though, it's like, I, I, I highly doubt that I am my 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 wife's favorite musician and songwriter of all you time. Are. I I highly doubt it, but the closeness that we have as a couple, and how much she d- just deeply desires for me to be happy and fulfilled, and and to follow what really and truly means the most to me, uh, maybe vocationally or, or artistically, like she will battle through anything that's like, well, this is my favorite genre to get to a place where she can see through my eyes what I'm seeing. And and I saw I see the pursuit in you. I see the pursuit in and Sophie and you. Like it's and in almost every couple that I know where there's multiple musicians or or one or the other, even if they're not in love with that genre, or they don't think they're the coolest or the best, like there's still so much affection that goes into just loving that other person that it's like, I'm just going to love that person. And this part is them. And so by proxy, there's some bit of like, like melding that, that does work. And, and, and I would say like, I don't know. I, I probably was touring five or six years before I got married. Um, my writing in my opinion, has never been better or or I've never been clear as a writer or a producer since I had someone in my life that was like actually critiquing me, which is my wife. Like almost every time I write at home, I'll, I'll hear footsteps coming down into my office and then she'll just sit on the couch. And all of a sudden I am now in a co-write. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's extremely uncomfortable. And I'm like, there's a lot of pressure. Uh, okay. Now I have to be good yeah. or cause I don't want to let her down. And she's there going, Hmm. And I know, well, crap, I didn't find the right, the right note there. <laughs> but like, even in those moments where there is tension and even in those moments where it's like, I'll say something that I'm like, Oh, this is, this is super great. And then she says, well, the, my most successful song I've ever had in my life. I actually wrote a completely different version. And she said, that song is just about you. Nobody's ever going to have any idea what you're saying. I think you should start over. And I started over and it hurt really bad. And I was actually pretty hurt that she wanted me to do that. 
I trusted her. And it's the most successful song I've ever had because of Which the- Which song is it? I can't talk about it. Uh, this really is about you guys. Really? No. This is about you guys. No, I, I, I just, I'm just saying. No, no, it's not. Like, no. So I have a song called Sell My Soul. I'm not successful that much anyway. So, But I have a song called Sell My Soul that like I, I specifically like- more than three or four dozen times that song has come up, like you said, in conversation, post-show, someone coming up crying, saying, this song changed me and, and made me find something about me that I really, like, I've been longing for for a long time. But that song, in its, the way it is now, never, ever would have existed I would have stopped. I was happy with the song. And then because of that close relationship like that you guys have, I found my way into a completely different song. Yeah. And it sucks and it's painful. But 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 that but that's the best part about art. Like like it sucks and it's painful when you first pick up a guitar and your fingers don't have calluses. It sucks and it's painful when you're trying to figure out how to play violin and there's no fret markers and you just have to guess. You know, it sucks and it's painful all the time when you're trying to create, but like that, what good arts ever created out of no tension? Yeah. No and I've tried to be nice um, <laughs> lately, like during practices and stuff, mostly not for your benefit, but for Scott and John, the other members. <laughs> Wait, you've tried to be nice? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and then I feel like okay. I'm not, uh, <laughs> I'm just a watered down version. Like I just, I have to be, I just have to say what I think. And so do you, you know, and we just, you don't take it personally, you know, like, I think we're learning more to not take it so personally. I think sometimes we also take things too seriously. Yes. Mm, that's a big problem. Of mine. Wait, are you being nice to me? No. Because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, no one's actually ever nice to the bass player except for Fall Out Boy. Hey, Scott, yeah. that's a really great bass part. Yeah. We were talking about last night. I like that part where the, you stepped on the cord and that came out. Yeah. And the <laughs> other bunch of staticky noise was in this really delicate part of this composition. That was cool improvising. Also, great, great chromaticism stepping outside of the key. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I had a, an element of surprise, I guess. Well, last night we were playing and um, then after practice, like it's... Scott being added to the band with John, who's not here, because John has no interest in being a part of a podcast. He has John extreme interest in if he plays his parts perfectly at a show. He doesn't care if anybody's there to see it, but he also cares if, but he also really cares about the lighting and how well he plays. He doesn't care about anything else and how it sounds on stage. So three things. And uh, so there's. I know that's true. Okay. <laughs> he, he cares about how it sounds. I, he I feel, thinks about, he doesn't care. I feel like, very similarly to John, yeah. by the way. And somehow when you got added. That very much sounds like a rhythm section though. You were yeah. like a the, the rainbow bridge between us and John. And then you connect with John so well. And it becomes like. Saturday Night Live, like, or comedy special hour. And I am just laughing the whole time we were playing these, like, sad, deep songs that we wrote. And then it, I'm just laughing the whole band practice. Well, That's did, all we do. Did practice used to be that depressing? Kind of. 
because the the music is like very thoughtful and it's a little bit mournful. But all we do through practice usually is laugh. A lot. Yeah, that's since you've been added. You're the sunshine of the band. Huh? You're you the are the sun, sunshine. Sunshiny. Rainbow connection. Because seriously, it was not. It was not as like upbeat before. I'll take it. And we're glad you moved from Tennessee and I'm decided to. I'm glad that to... I completely changed your band. Yeah, <laughs> Scott, well, you completely. In a lot of ways. Oh, go ahead. Don't know My, and something you were talking about earlier about like playing pieces of music that move people to tears. I mean, I've seen that happen with my bass playing now. Like I'm just playing bass at home and just Natalie just bursts into tears for no reason. She can't believe how beautiful my bass playing is. Is that an A? Oh, yeah. man. No, it's... Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> she loves when you're in the pocket. She does. She's like, are you behind the beat? <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. And then just tears. That she loves that G to A <laughs> every time it gets her. That's the yeah, old that's god the heart melting. Yeah. Also, I had to relearn how to read music to be able to play with them. You read music. You read sheets. Play music. They were just like squares and circles, and you're. I'm like, oh wait, there's like little subtle things here. I have to like read this now. They give you sheets. Yeah. Really? It helps a lot. Like it's sheet also- music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. We got real musicians yeah, in here. Yeah, boy. Really We're out of our league. <laughs> well, scholarly. It was the cello parts, I but toga. I put the chords above the parts. Mm. Anyway. So on this record, um, you you span what feels like to me several genres or moods that I I actually didn't anticipate. Um, because I remember the first few like days of maybe the first day of pre-production, um, kind of getting to know a few of these songs, and there were these mournful moments and these, you know, kind of syncopated picking patterns, and everything felt fairly sad, which I was super excited about. Um, <laughs> but then you have songs that like they start and they feel like I'm I'm like walking to Thunderation in Silver Dollar City and there's almost like this bluegrass that just appears in the middle of this kind of darker folk moment. Um, Can you talk a little bit about where you guys are coming from, um, maybe from your influences and just stylistically, like where, where is this all stemming from for you guys? Well, the bluegrass stuff comes from me because I started getting really interested interested in Piccadilly quack quack music. Okay. What is that? It's like (laughs) Piccadilly quack quack. Um, Did you just make that up? No, it's what I used to call the music my dad listened to. Um, But that you did come up with the the, the title. Yeah. Or maybe my sister did. It's probably my sister, but you know, like plucking and fiddling and that kind of stuff. But you know, like just kind of reaching out into that genre and getting what I could from it and um, writing in in that style and learning how to play the fiddle instead of the violin. Um, so that has happened over in the last, last five years. And so that music kind of just like seeped its way in um, in a more fiddly style. But yeah, that's all I have to say about that. For me, it's just 
I don't know if I purposely do anything except for I really love folk music. Like, well, we just, as we discussed, I really love like Ray LaMontagne. He likes mm-hmm. Bob slow, Dylan, sad Bill music. Callahan. Mm-hmm. Like, I love it so much. Mm-hmm. But then I also like Nirvana and Dive. So there's there's a little, a little bit, bit of grunge rock there. in there. Yeah. And yeah. like new, like surfer pop rock. I'm really into that. Um, so there's a little bit of that influence, but I don't know if I necessarily, I know I don't, I don't purposefully use any of that influence. It's just like, um, it's totally what comes out. Yeah. And part of the the thing about the fiddle is it just, a fiddle sounds like a fiddle, you know? If I were to write those parts on a different thing, it wouldn't sound so bluegrassy, I think. Um, do you feel like you played fiddle on this record, or do you play feel like you played violin on this record, or is there a mis- mismatch? There's a mixture, for sure. Ocart, fiddle. Um, yeah, you can't escape that on yeah. Ocart. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely no, no. fiddle. That's how that's the fiddle song. Um, but then in everything else, like it's pretty, even though there's my training is classical. So, you know, there's that, but then, you know, it's a very nuanced language of playing. It's not, you know, boxed in or squared. It's like very stylistic, I would say. I don't know. Do you feel it all trapped by and, and I mean this as a compliment, but actually trying to get to the bottom of what, how your brain works because you're so kind of deeply classically trained, um, com- at least compared <laughs> to us and compared to most people that I've known who hold the violin in their hands. Do you feel like there's any part of that that holds you back or do you think that actually supports you no. knowing where you want to go? Oh, yeah, it's totally supportive. Um because I was born as a fiddle player. <laughs> I just didn't realize my identity until much later. Um, but I play completely by ear. And that's I hear music that way. Just hear it in my head. And that's how I've always been. And I can read music, but it took me a long time to learn. And uh, the classical world really didn't work for me. Right. So... I love that you play by ear because so many string players that Are we work with, trained. yeah, it's like give me sheet music, and it's like, like no, and, just and, play da da da. Yeah, and I know Sean and I are just a couple of hillbillies who put on skinny jeans a long time ago and started making records, and and we don't know at all how to tell like a, an orchestra like we'll play these notes <laughs> can we sing you it's just yeah. a language to learn and yeah. it doesn't mean you're any people feel so bad about not knowing notes or reading music or that but it doesn't make the music any better to know that stuff it makes it's the same feeling though it's like whenever i go to like 
like a Mexican restaurant and I'm trying to pronounce some of the food and I can't, but like my, my waiter can say it really well. Yeah. <laughs> it's that same feeling of like, I just wish I could say this, but I have to point instead yeah. to get Grunt. what I want out of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's that point same, like, oh, if yeah. I would just educate myself, I can not seem like such a fool right now, but you know, that's how it feels for me. But I, I, I'm so, it was so exciting. Um, I was a little, intimidated is not the right word, but I was a little worried um, when we first started talking about working on this record, knowing that you were a string player and not knowing will we be able to communicate well with each other as mm-hmm. far as, as, as you guys know, just to, because you've worked with us, like I'm kind of an ethereal in the moment producer. It's like, oh, my gosh. Okay, let's try this. And the fact that you guys did so, had there were so many moments where we got to just experiment and you guys can go, oh, yeah, cool. Let's try it. And you actually just laid it down right there. I, I that was such an exciting that time. That is my favorite thing is just somebody goes, play this. And I'm like, okay, you know, yeah. like I can do that. I think there's so much power in being able to kind of ride, ride the lightning as a songwriter because there's so many opportunities that you miss making the song as colorful as it could be if you can't actually articulate things on the fly. Yeah. And, and, and just I'll, take a chance and, and go for yeah, it. A lot of us yeah. really, we uh, we lose because like we don't have maybe what you have. It's just like I can, you know, I definitely don't have it on guitar. I know people who, friends that do and it's, I'm jealous, but it's it that ability to just always be able to ride the wave of where like the song's taking you because you've put in the time to practice and like know your instrument and know it well. Gosh, that's such a powerful thing because you don't you don't miss all the things. You don't miss all these things that just fly by you and all these cool ideas. And yeah. I think that made such a a big impact on this record. Just you guys, uh, I could anytime. Uh, you would kind of decide to go a different direction. You're always able to find yourself in that new direction like pretty quickly. And it wasn't this droning, draining experience of like, oh, well, I had an idea, but I lost it. Or I had a, uh, yeah. you, you could always just kind of go where the song took you. And I, I feel like there's, because of that, such a purity happened with the record where it, it all feels uh, kind of like a seamless, it's just a stream that just keeps kind of rolling on. Uh, and I like that. Um, well, thanks. I'm curious, uh, as you guys recorded this record, I know the, you guys basically brought all these songs in. Um, and, we, and there were some changes and we did some, you know, here and there we changed some things in pre-production. But for the most part, like these songs came in out of your brain and we laid them down. Did you feel like when you were listening to the masters and when you got your record, um, did it change for you? These songs changed? Is the, does the rec- is the record what you thought it would be maybe from an artistic standpoint or even from like a philosophical, like this is what it means to the world? Like did that change or or do you feel like it's it's been the same record from the day you wrote it? It's, that's interesting for me. I, I've been thinking about that a lot lately actually because I just listened to the Masters before it went to press like this week. Um it's close to what I thought it would be. It's a little bit different. It's more, I think it's more accessible than my original intention. 
And I think that's a good thing because I tend to be less accessible to people from like a a pop type of way because I I just want to be like very, I can be a little bit too minimalistic or maybe a little too dark. And I like the contrast of kind of pepping it up a little bit Um, because you can only drone on so long (laughs) like you can only go so far down before people like i gotta get out of here yeah (laughs) and so it it is different than i thought it would be um but i think that's a good thing i think having another voice outside of it helped a lot um to make it so it is more listenable and i think it is a hundred percent more listenable than it would have been if i'm left to my own devices um so so yeah i don't actually think you would have ever finished What's that? I don't think you would ever would have finished the record if you were left to your own devices. That might be true. I you, don't know. You it, were quite a like a uh, a bingo like what are those things that they turn the bingo balls like it, you your brain is so like it can't find the cure. You're you're certain that if I just wait for tomorrow, I'm gonna find something even greater. Like you, you're, you're, you're actually surprisingly optimistic for someone in the moment who takes their song and squeezes the living hell out of it. You know, and I mean that in, in, that's a compliment as much as it totally sounds like it's not. (laughs) It was so interesting working with you. I can't tell you how many times that I felt like we left the studio and you weren't sure if Mm. it was the right thing. Welcome to Ben. This is Ben. Yeah. But 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 <laughs> this you is would why come we do back. not own a refrigerator. <laughs> you would come back and it was right. And you made the right choice and you were glad with what you did most of the time. And I, I thought that I just thought that was really interesting. He's like second he's a second guesser. I but it was helpful to have a third party. At some point you just have to make a decision. Right. So it was really helpful having that third party. Technically, feedback. you don't have to make a decision. You don't. I mean, <laughs> you never if, if you ever want to get something done, you do, but you don't really have to. And and I can, and I'm not afraid of just working on something forever um, until it can't be improved. But, you know, with, when you're working with a group and music, like with visual art, being a painter, I get to make all those decisions. And I get to take all the time I want, unless I have a deadline. But, you know, you just work until you can't improve it. But in this genre, it's completely different. So how long do your paintings different. take you? It can take anywhere from a month to two years. <laughs> um, They're big. <laughs> <laughs> They're in big. This, in this genre, you have other people. You have to be respectful. But also, it's not all about me. And it's not all about what I want. It's about what makes sense. And to have someone say, you know, you have the majority of the room saying, no, it should be like this. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know everything. I could be wrong. Yeah. Because w- when you're in the moment, it sounds different than when you're outside of the moment. Mm-hmm. When, you're, when you hear it from the outside perspective on a recording, for me, it always happens. It, sound, it sounds completely different. So it was, it's, it's always helpful for me. And, and I, to have it that someone or two people to say, no, 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 this is better. I'm like, okay, I'll trust that. 
And if, if I respect, and you know, and I respect you guys a lot. So it's easy for me to say, I trust what you're saying because I'm in that moment. It's where later I will hear it and be like, oh, that's a fucking terrible idea. <laughs> that was terrible. But you're just telling me in the moment that it's terrible. So I'm like, okay, you're right. <laughs> and it, you know, and it worked out. So I wondered though, we were talking about honest music. It's important to be honest. And I wonder how often, because we'll, we'll sit in the studio with plenty of artists and they'll bring in songs and we will chop them up and we'll rewrite and we'll restructure and we'll spend a good amount of time track by track figuring out how do we, how do we present this song really well? I, I wonder, like, in, in the pursuit of honest music, does pre-production actually take some of the honesty out of it? I think it has to by nature. I think I think we are somewhat uh, we <laughs> where we have put modern music and what we see as great. We have put it at such a high pedestal and, and such a competitive product that, like, we need for the artist that comes in here to be on that level, right? To and achieve a certain yes, yeah, mold, yeah. And sometimes it doesn't come in that way, but I, I wonder. And we've talked about this on podcasts before. Like, I'm I'm so curious if we would be better off for the sake of like the relationship that we have between our fans and us as artists. Would we be be better off to be putting out multiple versions of songs? Would we be better off to always release all of our demos? Before, like before we even hit pre-production, just here's all of our iPhone demos. You can buy it on iTunes. Go in the studio. Maybe we chop the songs all up. Songs completely change. Songs get cut. Like they don't even make the cut. And then they come out a year later as a new song, but it's a different version. I, j- I just wonder like, what are, what are we, what are we possibly doing? Because like you said, sometimes we'll, we'll just sit with a song and then we'll go, no, we can change that. We can make it better and we'll edit. And, and I'm a huge believer in editing. I think the best songs come from editing, typically, not all of them, but like most artists that we sit with, I feel like once we do a little bit of editing, um, maybe tiny bits here and there, or maybe lots, like the, the, we can find clarity and we can find a, like a na- like we can control the narrative towards the direction that they want people to actually hear it. But I I am just curious, like, what we're actually doing in that moment and how it might possibly be affecting um, the honest aspect of it and if we're better off to move on. Like, would it, would it be better, like, would it be better as if, if you guys had come in and, and sat down and played us your songs and in that pre-production moment, we said, okay, let's make these t- six changes. And we're good. We're done. Let's lay it down today. Let's just mic everything up. Let's record it all live for real, as honest as possible, and release it and say, like, we did our best. And to move on as an artist and to move on as a creator, rather than perfecting, to actually realistically benchmark ourselves in that moment and let that in its pure honesty, live as who we are. Because really, that's who we are. Now, granted, we can be something else if we 
quantize the drums and if we tune no. the vocals and if we rewrite and I rewrite. I see what you're saying. I just wonder. I'm not saying that we should because I don't know. I don't know if that actually makes us worse or produces worse art. But what we do usually do is as artists and we're all we've all done it and, and plenty of large artists are the same way. Uh, say John Mayer will go in kind of <laughs> he'll do his tour his two year long tour to report his record but it'll, you'll you'll take time to to carve out a record. Some of us take years and years like what what Guns N' Roses like when when they when the whole band broke up and they spent 13 years and like it was like some crazy amounts of millions of dollars to create a record, to, to get it right. To re like, I heard stories of them re-recording some songs like 40, 50, 60 times, like over and over and over and over again. But I just wonder is if actually as developing artists, if we just put it down, let the world have it and moved on, would we actually find more growth and more to say that would actually impact the world in a greater way than to toil over, is this in tune? Is this exactly the right word or will it move? Because maybe, maybe so. the nucleus is good enough. Maybe the the spirit of the song is actually in there. I, I just wonder, because you look at the Beatles, like what they made, like it, sound, it seems like 8,000 songs in eight years. They didn't seem like they took that much time. It was just kind of one and done. Let's they do did. this. And they moved on. They recorded live. And how, like, is that the mold though? Like if we look at them, granted I wasn't there. I don't know that much about the Beatles, but if you look like you look at their career and the massive amount of songs that they yeah, have pretty good. that are so Beatles dramatically are impactful, even now, that was a small period in time uh, where they just want. All I have to say want, about this is nobody wants to hear what our demo session <laughs> sounded no, like. No, I want to say something that... I'm going to embarrass myself. It's very incriminating. Scott may appreciate it. The the best Jimmy Eat World album that Oh my God. They released, Why are you telling everyone you listen to Jimmy Eat World? I love Jimmy. Again. That's like Sean one of Sean's Jimmy. favorite bands. You're fine. I, I love, love Jimmy. Jimmy World. They released an I'm album surrounded. in what early two thousands. But they had a deluxe version where the one C D was exactly what you just described. They were in a cabin for like three months and they recorded all these demos and they recorded it on like an eight track mm -hmm. with like live mics. And it was not mixed, totally out of tune. He can't sing in tune. As well as he can <laughs> on a record. But I remember the demo version more than the album. And Nobody I listened, I listened is, to it more no, than the album. We're not I did. doing one of those. <laughs> All right, what's, uh, what's your Jimmy Eat World? I don't have a Jimmy Eat World. Is it? Um, Taylor Swift? No, it would be like Amy Grant. Yeah, it might be oh, Amy yeah, Grant. yeah, because you play for Amy her Grant. Her Christmas Amy. album, but I got to meet her. Or, um, you know, DC Talk. Yeah. Um, I was jamming some DC Talk the SCX other day. SCX is a test when I'm pressed, so back off off with less of that zest and press this brother to the life of virtue. Did I just rap? You just wrap DC a, talk. You just wrap DC talk. Yeah. Edit that out. No, that's actually going to be our opener. <laughs> yeah, it is. We're going to open the podcast the opener with this. forever. Yeah. No. That's the new soundtrack. Well, I'm just. I, I, I'm. I'm merely just. I'm curious if. If what we want as artists is a career, or or is what we want as artists to 
craft the best music of all time. And what and, and if it's this if it's the latter, what actually gets us there? Is it like painstakingly going over these songs and and, and Corey, fine tooth combing? It's different for it's got to be different groups. for everyone I think because it's for because everyone. just the way that some people create would actually it, you would have to facilitate like creating it that way because yeah. maybe it's all done in the box or maybe it's all done on like one sample pack or you know it couldn't be that way for everyone. But I I'm know what you're saying though. It's that trap of perfectionism. For what? It's, it's an artist trap. Yeah, of I think blocking yourself because it has to be perfect. But there's a fine line because maybe you can get it perfect, right? But maybe you can't. And, and so maybe, why are you doing it? Maybe the exercise is merely practice, and it should be there, right? I think it just takes intelligent thought and knowing yourself. I don't. I don't think yeah. it's like that. So it mystical. comes back to self awareness. Yeah, yeah, I just think it comes back to self awareness. Like, because like there are times that. I'll write a song and I'll play it for three or four different people that are like non-musicals. And they'll be like, that's the best freaking song I've ever heard, man. I love that. Play it for me again. And then I'll play it for like friends who are songwriters and like, you need to edit this. You need to change that. And you need to snip this and you need to change that. And I think sometimes the answer is eh, leave it the way the, the, the people like it. Leave it the way the layman's like it. And then there's other times I've written songs and I've taken them to you, Corey, and you've been like you need to change this 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 and this and I'm like ah and I fought you on it but I changed it and then five years later I was like man that would have been garbage if I did it the way I wanted and I think it all comes down to just self-awareness so highs of this record I'm curious if you guys it's always a weird question but do you guys have a favorite song out of the whole record like what what's like the one that you're like yeah this this is this is where it's at for me that's a tough question um for me, it changes. I really like Oakheart. It's explain yourself. Weird. Well, it's the least personal <laughs> song for me because I didn't write it. So, so it's like your escapism in the record. But I think it's a really great song that Laurel wrote. So it's, um, I I I really really like it. I like what you got the 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 first song a lot, just because I've been familiar with it for so long. Um. So one, either one of those, I think, is my favorite. Those two. I like Oakheart, Don't Tell Me, How Does It Feel, and What You Got. Those are, those are the ones. Is there any reason behind that? Or just, it's just like how it, it's, it's not necessarily the songs. It's, it's the recordings of those certain songs mm. came the, out the with production magic came on out. them. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You guys were a really encouraging bunch yeah. when it came to uh, when we sent you mixes. Uh huh. Easiest was- clients we've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. yeah, it was great because there was words like, "Oh, I love this. This is fantastic. <laughs> you guys are magical." <laughs> and you know what? I'm very, very picky. That means a lot. Yeah, it was. It was fun because I have been known to give people like mixing hell. Yeah. Well, well thank That's you for not you doing guys. that to us. Yeah, we I I typically give that to Sean. Like yes. from like cuz we we generally like I will get the mixes before like I I basically will spend just copious amounts of time with you guys with with the artists 
particularly in the production and the songwriting stages in the tracking stages, I try to really wash my hands once we get like, okay, this is the last day of tracking. I try to step away for as long as I can. And then Sean gets in there and starts like kind of massaging everything and, and mixing the record. And so unless, you know, he particularly wants me to work on a mix or, or something in particular, or like he's stuck or, or we're just trying to collaborate on, on an idea, like, I probably won't hear it until right around the time you guys start hearing it and I'll get a, a few mixes. And But I, I'm probably the, his worst client because yep. like I'm so close to it that I, I feel like I tr- really, really, really try just as a producer to like become part of the band for like just a short period of time so I could feel your hurts and feel your songs and feel your stories. Um, and so... I get so, when he sends me that first mix, I'm like, well, here's a hundred things that aren't right for us. Like, and, and us is <laughs> yeah. us, you guys. I'm just trying to anticipate all of the problems, which is funny because some, I, I've I've been listening to multiple podcasts of, of different mix engineers and different producers and even something Sean sent, sent me recently and he's, and they, they stressed how much time can be wasted um, with the producers and the engineers are going back and forth mm-hmm. before they're giving stuff to the artist mm-hmm. because like I I know it's happened before. It's honestly before. my least favorite part. Well, because I've given artists mixes that I didn't run by you and they're like, great, love it. And then it hits me and I'm like, well, sorry, we have 53 things we need yeah, to fix. And I'm like, but the artist is happy and I'm happy. Yeah, but I'm <laughs> it it is a thing though. Like I, I definitely am I'm trying to learn like if the artist is happy, if you guys are happy, that can be enough. Well, the reason that we decided to go with you guys, like I I play a lot of studio music around town. I've been to a lot of different studios, a lot of incredible people. But when we came into your studio, there was a certain connection that I I was like, these guys, uh, Sean was very quick with what he did. And there wasn't a lot of like wasted time setting up and all that. It was very efficient and it was just uh, very professional. And then I heard what you had also created in your um, recordings that you were showing me that you had done in the past. And I was like, okay, these are the people I just felt like you can trust these guys with your music. And I felt that very strongly. And when we were trying to decide who to record with, I was like, oh, 100% these people. And there was no question of anybody else. So, you know. When you guys sent back the music, the mixes, I was like, yeah, that's what I expected them to sound like. Wow. And it was good. (laughs) You know, like it was a mutual trust and you guys just did what I knew the sound that I thought you were going to do. It was good. It gives me a lot of warm feels. Oh, good. I appreciate that. It was was an incredible recording experience. And now I feel like we're all friends, you know. And I will say, John, the drummer, is very particular about mm-hmm. mixing because mm-hmm. he dabbles in that. Oh, yeah. He would not he, listen he to our album he at all. He He's like, I don't want to listen to it because he wouldn't listen to it I'm not going to like it. Yeah, because he, he records as well. He just doesn't dabble in recording. He's been, he's been recording songs and he records other people's albums for 
15 years. So he, he does it. He's really deep into it, but we, we finally sat down and listened to it and he was very complimentary. Really? And, he was uh, like, yeah. I wasn't actually him yeah. to like it. that. I wasn't expecting <laughs> him to like it. I did a lot of things that I know like completely go against his moral fiber, like quantizing and, you know, manipulation. He was like, I said like a really awesome drummer. He fixed that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was cool. That's I'm sweet. also a pretty anti-quantizing guy, like having been a rhythm section person my whole life. Which is already maligned. Mm-hmm. You're already just in the dark in the corner. <laughs> like, can I just do this thing and play the song right? I have to go in and do punches on a drum part. Yeah. Oh. Woof woof woof. We're supposed to dog, work. dog at it. Woof 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 woof. Not doing it. Woof woof woof. Can't make me woof. Stop touching me, sick person. Meow. I love that it ended with a meow. Well, a couple things that I wanted to talk about. Um, that we haven't hit yet is how when we recorded this record, it, it was the, the majority of the record was the two of you. Uh, for the first few sessions, we had John, um, but we spent a lot of time with just the two of you. And I know that we made a soundscape that's much larger than two people. Um, so I'm curious how you feel like this record is going to translate to a live scenario, how it's going to change in a live scenario and, and, and maybe what your hopes are in a live scenario, what people are going to kind of gather from, um, from these songs. Well, we simulate a lot of it by looping. looping. We use the loop pedal. We also use some ambient backing tracks. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of looping. There's a lot of strategy that goes into a live show. Uh, For special shows, we have extra people, extra string players, um, extra instruments, instruments, instrumentation. But also some songs uh, we don't, and it just kind of strips down. and, And I think that works out well. I think to have something that's a little more stripped down works well for live scenarios. As long as you can bring it back up and have that dynamic, have those dynamics in the set list, uh, it 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 works out pretty well. But yeah, it's it's uh, less than the album, but almost more because it's live. I would say some songs are more. And some songs are less. It's, yeah, it, it's, it's a not... weird thing. It's strange to say that some songs are more live because we had all the time and all the tracks in the world. But it's true. I think some songs live actually are fuller somehow. And, and I think it's the energy. Um, and, and some songs aren't. Uh, if, you, if you can't have the peripheral players come in and add to it, uh, which is always a possibility, but if if you can't do that, it it's less. But I I don't think it takes away. I I don't I really don't view it as a negative. I I think it can be a positive. Do you think that the song ever deserves to be honored or recreated exactly how it is on the record, or? Do you think it just it just doesn't matter? Just in some some way, shape, or form, the song will come out, and however it is that day is fine. 
I can see both sides. I view live shows as different than an album format. I view them as two separate things. I'm okay trying to recreate a track that on an album level live if possible, but I'm also more than okay to recreate it in a live format. I enjoy hearing songs and I enjoy playing songs that are obviously the same song, but it's different live than what you hear on an album. Even if it's an iconic song, like even like Spring Sing, he would play songs different live than on the album. The BPM was different. Like it, 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 it could be completely different. doesn't mean the song was worse. It was just, this is the experience you get to have if you come to the show or if you see the live recording. It's the same, you know, it's, the, it's, it's inspired by the track on the album, but it's a different experience. Can you imagine, like, if they took the intro out of Smoke on the Water? Just cut that all out. Played a different intro riff. That's sacrilegious. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Guitar Hero would have never been the same. Full no circle. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your CD release coming up and your album release? And October 12th at the Record Bar. You're playing? Uh, so I no, am playing. No, Storm Circus is playing. Yeah, who's that? Um... You oh, and Bob and Una Walkenhurst, who are established musicians in Kansas City and beyond, are also releasing an album on the same show with us. Um, but yeah, it's gonna go seven to eleven on October 12th at Record Bar. It's exciting, yeah. 10 bucks. Yeah. That's a lot of, that's a lot bucks. of show for ten bucks. It is. It's great. Yeah. And a beautiful space too. Yeah. It is beautiful. Where can do you buy tickets ahead of time or you just buy You can do it on Eventbrite or just you know. You can. You, show you go up. to the Facebook event or the Recordware website and you can get the tickets there for ten bucks. What's um, your Facebook page? The Facebook is just Facebook.com slash of tree music. music. Um and then the record bar Facebook is just slash record bar or just Google it and they come up first. <laughs> um, yeah. And you know, the, the tickets are available there. Yeah. And it's going to be cool. We're going to have, um, you know, a, we're going to have a string section. We're going to have yes. many added elements. We're going to have projection um, by a, an artist here in Kansas City, Lisa Marie Evans. She's a motion artist. We'll be projecting some stuff through a show. Um, and to your question of recreating the album, this will be a special show. It's where we will have some extra string sections. So it'll be a little bit fuller than just like a regular set on tour or something. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm a heavy believer in creating a song that, and it's purest moment like just singular instrument or even acapella that it's the new it still if, lives. it still lives and yeah. it lives in its fullness um I, I, i'm a huge believer in the imagination and in the imagination of each person and what how things can change but if you have the nucleus you have the narrative 
you allow every listener to kind of experience it. So I, 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 there's not, I have never played a show since I've done the solo thing that I've ever recreated any of the songs as this, as I've recorded them. So yeah. I, I, I just never have done that. So, but I, I, like I but it is funny though, cause I'll, I'll go see like a, like a really established artist with a song that I've probably played a thousand times. And whenever something's not like the record, I'm like, almost offended yeah, like what are they too. doing where's the riff where's it at and you know it, it's it, it's funny how something that I so hope for is something that I don't do but I think there's there, I mean I'm really excited to to see you guys live because unlike Sean I've actually never seen you guys play live which is massively bizarre that we've spent so much time together created a record together and I've never actually seen you play. You're you're about to. Yeah. So I don't even know what that's unless you leave after you play, which would be totally <laughs> I, I have things to do actually. Yeah, so I know. You your, you have your, work to do. You gotta go. On stage and just like <laughs> you know the thing, I'm out. just gonna say this. The thing is people who do that 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 form a show with somebody else, they talk, they get their fans all together and then they come and they play they're set and they leave. Yeah, or they stand in the back alley the rest of the time. It's the rudest thing ever. That Agreed. is bad band karma. Yep. Don't do that. Yep. Agreed. <laughs> That's a rock and roll professional behavior. Yes. <laughs> That's why no one likes those people. I'll be in my trailer. <laughs> yeah, like we're playing Mario. We're all in this together. <laughs> I'll yeah. pretend to like your band if you pretend to like mine. Yeah. Come on. Talk about like not having an honest experience or not being honest. Like if you don't want to create a show with someone, just then don't book yourself. <laughs> no one sure. else. No, Do I, it. If you think I, you're so awesome, you don't need to bill other people. I don't know if it goes that deep. I just my <laughs> I agree with you. My my moral code is always stay. Uh, but I enjoy it, so it's it's not even, a chore for even me. Even when the bands are terrible, we stay even when they're terrible. I love live music. I, I just tricked you into saying that. That's not something you should ever no, say. You Please include that in the podcast because that is something I believe forever. We're emailing because, it to everyone. Should I do it again? No, don't snap. Edit You're point. I'm you stay out. for the whole thing. So, Corey, if you leave, <laughs> we're gonna know. I, I'm leaving out of comedic like happening. Like out of comedy like, value, yeah. Andy Kaufman style. Like I'd never leave, and then you leave. And you're like, <laughs> I'm a fucking bastard. <laughs> now I'm really curious to see if you stay you know or what? leave. I might leave. Yeah, yeah. Before I, we even play, I might yeah. leave during your set. You'll leave because John I'm is. Done. John is so talented. He can actually play bass on a keyboard while he's playing drums. I was like, what am I even doing here? <laughs> I saw him in another band doing this. He's playing drums with one hand and playing a keyboard he with the other. used to do that in this band. In all band. fairness, that's how he wanted to record the bass for this record. And we he said did. no. I said, yeah, you're not. But you're he's not a guy that. that can do that. Yeah, no, he can. And I think it's phenomenal. And I, I can't like, do a few things like be, that. would it be better if we didn't? <laughs> it would be better. <laughs> yeah. We decided it was, it was hard saying that to him too because I like him. Do you a know lot, who he ultimately like had to tell him that he couldn't do that anymore? Was it you? Me. I feel like I did. For some reason, I feel like that was me, but I could be. You wrong. might have like also done it. I yeah. kind of like really gently was like, "Hey, well, 
we'll do it later. We'll do it in another part. And he's like, yeah, okay. And then I think I let you take care of it. Yeah, and then I was like, hey, Eric's coming. It was tough, but because he is good at it. It sounds good, but it's just a little bit better. It's better with the basses, so. I have two questions. Yes. They're very separate from each other. One's a little bit more deep, and one's really not. First question is, what is the purpose of of tree, from your perspective? Not not what what do other people tell you of tree is for them, but from your perspective, I feel like sometimes we're just kind of willy nilly, just trying to figure out, just being artists and seeing what happens. Um, but I find artists like you guys tend to like be trying to accomplish something, and and maybe it's just success, maybe it's just career, or maybe it's something else. But from your perspective, what 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 is your purpose? What are you doing? For me, it is necessary. It's something that it was a driving force in my life that I just had to do and I couldn't not do it. And if I tried not to do it, um, it would just gnaw at me. So it's, it's just, it's, it's just a necessary function for living. And of course I hope it's successful and and I hope it can be impactful to other people's lives. Um, that would be amazing. And, 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 I, and I'll admit it, I, I really want that. But if it doesn't, then that's fine too, because I had to do it. Yeah, I would, I, similar, like, I feel like for me, I did music, my early 20s. I've gotten to tour all over the world with various groups and that's been amazing, but I've never done something that is me. And in a lot of the ways of tree is Ben, it's you. And somehow you were like, Hey, you can do this too. And you can be the other half of that split tree. And so it's kind of like taking on a new meaning in a way, that tree that got split in half. And yeah, for me, it's just, I ha- yeah, it's like a half. I have to do it. I don't know what it is. There's some sort of thing that's compelling me. And... It is a compulsion. I feel like from you too, it's a compulsion. It's not a choice as much as this has to be done for sanity's sake. Yeah. Um, and if it isn't done, it, and I don't know why, I, I don't think it's altruistic. I don't, it's, it doesn't, like looking at it, it doesn't seem important from anybody else's perspective. If I'm being honest, like it's not that like it's not that important of a thing, um, but personally, for me, and I think I, I what you were saying, and and I've seen it in you, and I can verify it. It seems for some reason, and I don't know why, it's necessary. Yeah. Um. It's. I don't know if that's positive. I, I think that can be negative, uh, but maybe it's positive. I don't know, but it just it has to happen. It has to be. 
And I don't know why, but if I say it can't be, if I say we can't do it, it's so destructive. I can't handle it. It has to happen. And it's weird. But that's is, that's the real answer. That is the real answer. And it has I feel to like happen. we're on the same page with that. And it's weird. And it feels like you're on some sort of weird path. And it the end goal is not it'd be great if it was successful, but it doesn't I hope it matter. Is. I hope it is, but maybe it's not. And it really doesn't matter. Um but we're we're gonna do everything we can to help. I mean, it. we'll see. And maybe it's just a stepping stone. Like the first EP was a stepping stone. I knew it as I was recording it. And maybe this this is probably another stepping stone. Who knows? Um maybe the next thing will be even better. Hopefully you guys are involved. Maybe not. We'll see. Um if you want to. Um and and Maybe it's a stepping stone. Maybe it's a peg. I don't know. It just it feels like it has to happen, and that's and that's the real answer to the question. It feels a little bit ridiculous to say that because it doesn't feel that important in the grand scheme of things. But you know, there's billions of people in the world, and everybody has something that's important to them. And um, I don't want to take that away from anybody else. And hopefully, well, I think it's valid. You, when you talk about success. And hoping that it's success, successful. And you say, like, I, you don't know if it's important. But I think sometimes we have to, like, maybe reestablish what success is and what importance is. Because, man, I know the internet has changed a lot of the way we see ourselves and what maybe how happy we think we are or what, if what we have is enough. Um, because it's really easy to always see more people who have more or better or seemingly more or more or better. Um, but I know something even even our time together, just working on a record has meant multiple nights that have turned into long conversations about the music or or sometimes not that have dramatically affected my happiness or my understanding of the world or my understanding of friendship or my understanding of what I can learn from strangers uh, in, in massive ways that, that might have changed the trajectory of my life. Like it, it is very possible that, that, that songs like um, how does it feel is the perspective and a color that I never would have had ever had I not met you and, 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 and who knows what that will do? Who knows what, what a, a sown seed will grow into? Like we, we don't know. And so, you know, I think, I, I think every artist that I've ever known has that perspective. Like maybe, maybe this doesn't matter to anybody else, but how the hell am I supposed to stop doing this? Cause I don't know how like I, I could exist without it. And, and I, I think that there's, there's so much, disparity in that feeling but I think that it's so good for people to hear you say that as an artist you know who's been making music for a while to still be sitting in that place that says like man I don't know if this is worth anything to anyone but I I know I have to do it because there's there's an enormous amount of 
encouragement and camaraderie in that moment where we can all go, yeah, yeah, dude, every song I write, I'm like, well, no one's probably going to like this, but yeah. man, that felt good to get it off my chest. I, I a hundred percent agree. I mean, I would even take it. Um, I would even take it so far as I, I, for me personally, and I guess it circles back to your first question of the out, the name of the band and what it means. Um, and my first reaction was, well, it doesn't mean anything anymore, but thinking about it more, even through this conversation, if, if I'm just being a little bit more honest, it still has meaning to me because writing the songs and doing it and feeling compelled to do it was part of like giving something up, like giving up family, giving up this other life where things were suppressed. So it feels very important however it's tempered with was it worth it is it worth it is it worth it to be yourself is it really that is individualism worth it if there's a price to that individualism and it's a heavy part of it like it's it's always a theme for me and and especially um with music and with this project, it is the theme for me personally. And it's, it's not for everybody else, but it's like, it's breaking away. It's being true to yourself. And that's great. It it reaps, it reaps some rewards. Um, But there's always a question of, is it, is it worth it? And not on a success level, on a personal level, on a level of um, what, you know, what do you get and what do you give up? And that's, I think that's the sub, sub, sub layer of all of the music is what are you willing to give up? to be you it's it's a hard it's a hard question i don't think there's a good answer i don't think there is an answer i don't think i'll ever answer that question ever um but it's there and i think that's part of the compulsion it's part of the compulsion to keep doing it i have to it it was a driving force in this life experience um to do and I, I I don't know if I'll ever know if it was worth it. Do you ever try to answer that question? Every day. And I think that's why it's so important to me. Like, too much. It's too important. Because uh, it's very representational. But it's also a way to get out a lot of things that you can't. Music is a way, and we discuss this. It's a way to get feelings and emotions and life experience out. That's a ethereal way that you can't say in words. That it's it's even harder to represent in visual items. Um, but music is special because uh, you can bounce it off of other people, and it helps it helps get it out. Um, 
so it's it's definitely special in that way. I think it's interesting when you're talking about um, is it worth all of that to find yourself or to be yourself? And is the individualism worth it or, or, or the pursuit of it? One of the things that I try to help songwriters with, and, and I think this stems from somewhere personally that I just, it's, it's my heart for other songwriters, whether I don't know if it's good or bad, it could be disrupting art, but I think that the pursuit of individualism as a songwriter is so important to speak mm. your mind and to speak your voice because it's unique and it's it's singular. It's you're the only one looking through your brain and through your eyeballs at everything else. No one, no one can see it like you. Right. I also think that that individualism can be destructive mm. because we can't just see life from our own eyes. Because if we do, we would all destroy each other. Like we would not care about what other people were seeing through their eyes. And so, uh, and, and, and I, I feel, and this is, this is our own perspective. We're, we're in a closed group that all believes that music is a, a huge answer in the world. And, and we, you know, we've gotten riffed on like politics and we've riffed on other things that have gotten away from just like strictly just music talk. But the reality is, is that, the people who are changing the way the world's thinking and the way the world's learning to love or not, or the way the world's learning to feel or not, uh, largely has been impacted about from the music that's been created over Absolutely. all of history. And, and we have such a, I think we have such a responsibility, not all of us, but some of us to, to answer that call of, of, of people who, who don't know how to feel or don't know what's going on or don't know who their people is or don't know how to learn or don't know how to gauge what's happening or to, to process what's happening. I think we have a responsibility to, to be that voice and to, and to feel those feels and, and to, and to help make sense of a little bit of this. I, I think musicians and artists of all kinds have such a responsibility to humanity to, to keep it moving and to keep it sane and to keep it thinking and to keep it questioning and to keep it, uh, finding answers. Um, but I think that individual individualism. I I just hope though that it finds it it finds a, a wall and it doesn't pursue individualism always. That it that right. individualism guides it to a place that says that I'm going to pursue finding myself so that I know how to help you. I'm going to pursue finding myself so that I know what I can give, what kind of value I can give you because I know who I am and what I'm capable of. And I'm going to offer that to you. I, uh, 100%. Yeah. I, I think uh, that's just, that's, that's a riff of something that isn't necessarily part of this conversation. But man, I think particularly because, you know, we're both folk artists and, 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 and a lot of Kansas City itself is just, it's just there's so many folk artists. It's such a big, important part of uh, of this community that we're in every single day. And man, I just think that like 
if we could pursue ourselves, and like Sean was saying, find that self-awareness and figure out who we are and then figure out how, how we make who we are actually give value to the people around us, then then our, our pursuit of our own understanding actually gives value to people around us. And, and if we're all doing that as songwriters, man, I really think that I think that can change the way a lot of us are looking at each other. I think it's very important because it's not only a mirror, uh, it's a catalyst of society. It works in both ways. It, it's, it doesn't run society, it mirrors society, but it can also be a catalyst of society. And, and to your point of the importance of, um, of the individualism to be yourself and to affect other people is very important because of my background, like being, being an individualist and helping people wasn't an option. So that's not something you could do. Um, and so having it taken away for a while in life makes you appreciate how important it is to have that and how important it is not just for you. It's important for everyone else too. And it's important that you allow someone else to have it. And if that's taken away, it's very destructive. And so the mirror gets distorted in society and the catalyst veers off and it's something destructive. So I, I agree. I think it's, it's very important. So my last question is very simple, but it's the hardest question I'm going to ask all night. In your opinion, greatest record of all time, Ben, Laurel, Scott, quick answer, greatest record of all time. Please state the artist and the name of the record. You're going on record for all time. I'll go first as the member of least importance. Okay. In utero. Okay. For me, I was like, you know, 15. Changed my life. Never, like, never mind, I already did that. I realized that I needed to go that way. But then in utero, it was so gross <laughs> that I, I knew that I liked that. Uh, my knee-jerk reaction is Nirvana, Nevermind, or Johnny Cash, Folsom Prison. I mean, it's, they're good choices. Um, you only get one. It's cliche. They're both cliche, but they're cliche for a reason, though. There's nothing wrong with that. Good, right? So good. Nirvana unplugs. I would have to say. Is it my turn? <laughs> yeah, Ben's listing his top Ray five now. <laughs> Portishead, dummy, or Portishead, Portishead. Coolest I answer. Love Portishead. You the answer. Yeah. Right, your answer was the best. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Every like I haven't heard that in like two years, and then it came on the other day at a restaurant, and I was like, "Oh my god!" How do you spell my, that? This is my jam. Portishead. You spell Portis and then you spell head. What's Portis? P O R T I S. Okay. H E. Is it town? Yeah. yeah I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Do you about. know who Portis Head is? No. Oh my God. You have to find out. 
What? When we were working on your on your so, bio uh, with our intern, uh, that should have been the thing. When when, when you you said like two artists that we had never heard. Bill Callahan, yeah. Portishead. Yeah. Do you know who Mazzy Star is? Mm-mm. Hey. Do you not know who Bill Callahan is? I know who Bill Callahan is. Oh my god. <laughs> this is probably very against copyright law, but. So are you guys a step below us? Are you 28, 29, 30 years old? I am 32. 31. Okay. 31. They're millennials. No, you guys, aren't, you guys aren't younger than us. Like, we're a few years older. Yeah. No, yeah. We were all in high school together. <laughs> what I'm saying is, like, the Portis head thing is unforgivable. Like, oh, that's, that's on you. I'm sorry. I don't you know. Have I, to know. Portishead. At least we didn't lie and be like, oh, yeah, man, Portishead. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, Portishead. Yeah. I'm now, sorry. now Motorhead, was, I know that. <laughs> yeah, I, I apologize. It's in a oh, new, like, I asked that question. In a, you have a second question? No, I asked that question. Like, you don't know who that is. I'm uh, very uh, I have a, attacking way. I, I have apologize. a third question. No, it's not fair. It's for you. <laughs> you don't get to ask us no, questions. No, this is we a ask moral thing. You say, these are the rules, and then she goes... No. No, they're not. <laughs> I'm making up a game. I won't play it. I'm going to demand you play it. Okay, never mind. What is your what is your You're question? You're squishing me. Your toxic masculinity. <laughs> I'm the only female here. <laughs> You're telling me I'm oh, making up a game. Okay. Let me shoot but some real quick. The question. <laughs> What's the question? Please include that. <laughs> Females rise up. Um and it's probably about like making out with someone. No. Okay. <laughs> Actually, it won't be because neither of your significant others are here. So it won't be fun for her. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. I just want to know now. What is your question? Yeah, I, do I don't that. even remember what it was. No, but it was about Portishead. Okay. Why do you guys not know about Portishead? Oh, no. This is my question. Are you going to listen to Portishead? Yeah, I, yeah I'm actually like, going to. Are you to. actually going to find now. out who they yes. are? Yes, yeah. it is. What is. What time is it right now? It's freaking 1 a.m. Is it? Is How it? did that happen? So it's 1 a.m. Oh, and so oh I'm God. going to spend. There's nothing like experiencing music in the car for the first time, especially if you're in the car at night. No one's on the road and you're by yourself. Driving to I'm the Ren to Fest at night, which is where you live. Perspective on this Portishead situation possible. Okay. So yes. So text like, me later and be like, this is what I think. Okay. Portishead fires on all cylinders for me. Like English <laughs> elitism, techno. Uh it's trip hop music. Yeah. With female it is. Female mournful vocal. Like, it's got it all going on. It is amazing. I kind of want to revise my answer to Ray LaMontagne, though. You want to say Portishead? No, Ray LaMontagne. You know, I think... Uh, Ray LaMontagne is can... not writing honest music. He's a oh. trust fund baby. No. Well, you, you are... Yeah, you're not that's the... why his name is Ray LaMontagne. How dare both of you. <laughs> I said Joe Montaigne. <laughs> I, I sincerely, yeah, you're not the only person that said, that's answered this question, Ray Lamontagne. You're yeah. not our first guest that's answered. Typical. I think Sawyer Fredericks actually said Ray Lamontagne. Yeah. Or he, he actually said, I met Ray Lamontagne or something. And yeah, I don't remember, but he talked about Ray Lamontagne. I've never met him, but I imagine we can be depressed together and drink some, yeah. drink some brews and be depressed. That's my dream. Where can we find you online? What's the easiest way? Where are you guys connecting with people? Of treemusic.com or facebook.com slash of treemusic. 
You guys on Instagram? We are on Instagram. You on Twitter? Which is, we're not on Twitter, but we are on Instagram. Okay. It's of underscore tree. All right. Cool. Well, thank you guys for hanging out with us. Thanks for getting deep and vulnerable in the middle of the night on a Thursday night. Getting weird. Getting Mm, real weird. That's what we're best at. And congratulations to Sean. Thanks. I get married in like 72 hours. Congratulations, man. That's awesome. We're looking forward to your CD release. Thank you. It's going to be awesome. If you guys haven't checked out UpTree, you should do it. We'll put a bunch of stuff out, links everywhere. You can find them easy. But until next time, my name's Corey. My name is Sean. This is the Shadowscape Podcast, and we will see you later.